All right, guys, you are here for the right reason. The Spain and Fitz podcast where you get exclusive content, all sorts of fun stuff you can't get on the radio. We appreciate you hanging out with us. Really, tonight's show, all Sarah. She's a rock star. Check out some of the greatness right now. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain solo with you until Fitz joins in the next hour. It's ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And it's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Game six of the World Series tomorrow on ESPN Radio, a 7.30 Eastern start. Make sure to check that out. And joining us now to help us preview that game, Ryan Dempster, MLB Network analyst. Ryan, this has been a fun one so far. Dodgers now up 3-2, game six tomorrow night. So put into words what we're seeing here with the Rosarena. He now has the record for most hits and home runs in a single postseason. <laughs> into words. Uh, uh, flabbergasted. Yeah. Um, I, I just like, you know, you knew that he had talent, but not this much talent. And just you can just see the evolution of confidence taking over. And now when he steps in, it doesn't matter. The guy could be, you know, uh, firing baseballs out of a slingshot at him, and he's feeling comfortable <laughs> at the plate. So it's it's just fun to watch somebody kind of burst onto the scene and do what he's done to lead them offensively. And, uh, yeah, and, there, and, you know, the celebrations and – the dancing, him and Brett Phillips having the dance off. So it's it's really really cool. It's something if anybody said, "Oh, I saw this coming," they're a liar. Cause yeah, it's, uh, it's young, pretty unreal, and, and fun, and exciting, and definitely a storyline, especially for a team that we you know don't know as much about that came into this with few being able to name too many players, and now here we are with some pretty standout guys. Um, let's talk about another guy, Manny Margot, who said 100% his decision to try to steal home in the bottom of the fourth in Game Five. Uh, he fell short. It didn't work out. Are you here for that kind of aggression, especially consider the way uh, the Dodgers have gotten up early? Or, or is that something where unless your manager calls for that, that's not something you should be doing in a World Series game? Yeah, you better be willing to take that heat. <laughs> um, but I, I, I admire him for doing that. He, he wore it on his sleeve. Hey, I made this choice. And, you know, it wasn't some terrible play. Like, he... He was just out. If he didn't get him kind of coming back in, he barely, barely got him. So this is like bang, bang. I think he just saw an opportunity there. And sometimes when we're in that moment, um, and kudos to Clayton Kershaw, because, you know, we, we all could panic in that situation. I saw somebody send a tweet out. It's like, imagine having somebody come up behind you and, and scare you and you don't flinch. That's really what that's mm-hmm. like. So mm-hmm. um, for him to ha- have that. But, you know, hey, you got to take some shots to try and uh, – beat somebody and if he scores right there we might be talking about a different storyline right now but he didn't and he has to wear that and I guarantee he's going to try and go out there tomorrow night and try and make up for it. Ryan Dempster with us here on Spain and Fitz on the Shell Penzel performance line. You obviously were a pitcher at the big level. You you played in, a, in massive playoff games. You played in, in World Series games. Talk about Kershaw because for a guy to be as great as he's been and then to have that narrative sort of assigned to him for postseason yet, and he now has more strikeouts than anyone in postseason history. But I don't know that he'll ever fully shake those games that he that he laid duds. Um, what does it feel like? Because it is so mental. It's not like basketball or football where you just get more aggressive or run faster or tackle someone. It's all in the brain. Yeah, it is, and you know he he's had he's had moments where he's had some good postseasons, and then he's had some bad ones. He's had he's had good games. Um, and then he's had bad with, you know, and I, I was looking at it. He's rarely had a stinker. Like he hasn't had these games where it's like, well, man, here's Clayton Kershaw again, going two and a third. 
it seems to be the narrative behind it is that he would be going five or six, mm-hmm. cruising along and give up three spot in the six. The next thing you know, it's five and two thirds with, you know, four runs or six and two thirds with five runs. So it just seemed like that kind of third time through the lineup was getting them at times. There was other times where he pitched really, really great. Um, you know, he had some tough, tough uh, outings out of the bullpen when he came in, but you know, um, Evan Grant, who writes for the for the Rangers, you know, he said, you know, Clayton Kershaw, we're always talking about everything negative in baseball, and Clayton Kershaw is everything that's right with baseball. Mm-hmm. And so I just love the fact that we can see here he's probably done. I don't think he'll pitch in relief given the arms that they have down in the bullpen. So for him to be in the World Series, to win two games, to pitch as well as he did, and to have that hanging over him now, something really positive that he deserves because – He's a first ballot Hall of Famer, and I'm glad that he threw well. He's one of my favorite guys to watch. He handles himself as good as anybody on, off the field, what he does. So um, hopefully this can kind of end that negative narrative that a lot of people have for him. Do pitchers call each other and ask about tricks, whether that's uh, sports psychologists or clearing the mechanism, all that stuff? Do you guys chat about what you do to not get stuck in a bad place when you have a big start coming up? Yeah, I think I think you rely on your teammates. Maybe maybe a, a player that you played with before um, might send you some text messages or um, just kind of keep you in the positive frame of mind because it's really easy to go negative really fast. Um, but you just got to remember the positive things. Remember all the things that you can do and you will do instead of the things you can't do or your that the bad things that might happen that can creep in your brain. So, you know, positive reinforcement results get that. Um, and then when you make big pitches and you get out of jams and those things just start to happen. But yeah, I definitely rely on, on teammates, ex teammates, friends, sports psychologists, you know, the, the game has changed in a big way with those guys giving a lot of help to the mental side of the game and, you know, approach that side just as much as they do the physical side. And I think because of that, we're seeing, you know, guys be able to handle the big stages even better. Ryan Dempster with us here on Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80 World Series. Dodgers up 3-2. They re, uh, get back at it again tomorrow night. Talking about pitching, Kenley Jansen uh, blows his fourth World Series save opportunity, which is a record. Now you have to be pretty great, and so does your team, to have that many opportunities. But it's just a disastrous finish, wild, fun one for us watching, but disastrous for the Dodgers and J- Jansen. What are you seeing from him? I just, yeah, I mean – the, the tick down and stuff. So what I mean by stuff is, listen, not everybody has to throw 100 miles an hour. He was at his best when he was throwing 93 to 95 with that natural cut on his ball. And as we've seen it go down all the way down to 90 miles an hour, you know, he's throwing 90 to 92, top of 93. It becomes easier for those guys to be able to get to and um, to be able to get on top of that late life that he had on his ball isn't quite there. That's a lot of innings, a lot of appearances, um, a lot of deep seasons, you know, they've gone to playoffs every single year. They've gone to NLCSs and World Series. He's throwing more than most closers in baseball. So um, naturally, you're going to have a tick down in your stuff. And when you go to the bullpen and you have Dustin May comes in and throws 100, and then you got, you know, someone, somebody else coming to throw 100, or Gonzalez is throwing 96 miles an hour from the left side. Now all of a sudden, your closer is throwing 92 mile an hour soft cutters. It's not really intimidating to anybody. So he has to get ahead. When he doesn't get ahead, then he gets the hitter's count and he just becomes very hittable. And, um, you know, I think he's better with the more rest he has, the extra day off. I'm sure 
tomorrow when they're sitting there, if they're in the luxury of winning game six, I'm sure there's nobody that Dave Roberts would much rather have on the mound. That being said, I'm sure he'd be really, really comfortable with a four or five run lead than a one run lead right, because right. Then, he, then he's got, then he's got a tough decision to make, sir. You know what I mean? Like I want him out there, but I also want to win the world series right now. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow likely to be Tony Gonsolin and Blake Snell. Uh, Gonsolin, another guy just hasn't been able to necessarily duplicate regular season success. What do you see happening in that game? Do you think there's a chance for the Rays to, to tie it back up? Yeah, well, and the Blake Snell factor, the only thing uh, tough that's tough about that, the Dodgers are really good the second time they face you. Mm. Um, they're really good anyways, but they're really, really good then. So, you know, it, it's it, it's tough. It, it, they've got a tough draw to be able to try and win this game. You know the Dodgers got a deep bullpen. They got, you know, Dustin May can throw again. Um, but, you know, Gosselin, you know, we talk about him kind of struggling, but his last two outings, two innings, two runs, one and one third, one run. Like, He's not getting schlacked, but he's also not going deep in ball games. It's almost like they're using an opener. So I don't know if they go and ride him for a little bit, maybe try to get one time through the lineup and then just go to their bullpen and try and mix and match and, and make their way through it that way um, and, and see what happens. But if you're the Rays, you got to really, really like the fact that you got um, Blake Snell's throwing as good as anybody on your, on your rotation um, and really the guy you want out there to be able to extend it to its seventh game. Ryan Dempster with us here on Spain and Fitz on the Shell Penzo Performance on. You can watch him on MLB Network and the Cubs Marquee Sports Network. His show Off the Mound is a great watch. And MLB Network's MLB Tonight is airing before and after every World Series game. Before I let you go, let's say the Rays tie it up tomorrow and this goes to seven. Do you give the edge to the team that's been there before in the Dodgers or the team that hasn't choked it away before in the Rays? Who's who's going to get more uh, of, uh, you know, the sphincter activating in that game seven. <laughs> you know what? Nobody gets an advantage in a game seven. Nobody ever. You know, like, you go all the way back to the Twins playing the, the, the Braves and John Smoltz and Jack Morris throwing 10 and 9 innings apiece. You, you can't match it up. It doesn't matter. Anything can happen. Anything crazy can happen. You could be tied. You could Some team could be up by five in some way, somehow, you know, it's like it's like negotiating, a rain delay. right? Have, <laughs> a big yeah. rain delay, well, a speech from Jason Hayward. You yeah. never know. <laughs> you never know what could what could possibly go around out there. So I, I look at I look at game sevens like, a, you know, like a negotiations. Like when there's all of a sudden it comes down to the end. Like you could have months to do it, and it and it doesn't get done. But then when mm-hmm. the, it actually comes to the timeline, it gets done. It's the same thing for a game seven because what happens is you're going to get everybody's best best at bat they're the most diehard at bat you're going to get you're going to grind away on every pitch you're going to it's you're going to get the best defensive plays you can get and you're just looking for somebody to make a mistake and you think it could be one person but it ends up being somebody who's never made a mistake it's just it's yeah, so hard it's to wild. determine that's what makes game seven so much fun and i i hope that uh we see a game seven just for baseball for the grandest stage because ain't nothing better than a game seven in anything you know in baseball especially Well, we're pulling for it. I don't know about either of these teams, but we're pulling for it. Uh, Thanks for the time. Always good to talk to you, Ryan. You too, Sarah. Yeah, thanks so much. Appreciate that Fitz joined me now because uh, this Monday night football game is starting soon, and I can't be held responsible for my Bears being on Monday night football when I'm supposed to be working. How how did this, like, how did we not figure this out? Like, I had to deal with the Raiders game earlier this year. Like, there should be a a solution to this, Sarah. Like, should be a built in where you just get the night off if your team is on Monday night football and you're supposed to be expected to make 
cogent thoughts on the radio. I would think that Greeny could just sub in for one of us every yeah. time because the Jets are never going to be on Monday yeah, Night Football, right? that's a great right? point. Let's look into that. Too early. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. Fun fact about the Jets, they had four total yards of offense in the second half this weekend. Good times. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Small business projection just got easier. With more than 30 coverage options available, Progressive has you covered more at ProgressiveCommercial.com. We'll get you some more hot takes uh, or, I guess, good takes, like uh, having four yards and a half is bad is a good take uh, next. But first, there was something I wanted to talk about, Fitz, because I saw the story shared a couple times on social media, and that was it. And I think it's something that needs to be discussed, and that is... Ryquel Armstead of the Jags being hospitalized for COVID, having it multiple times uh, where he's been put on the COVID list. And they now just announced uh, ESPN reported it that he's expected to miss the rest of the season. Um, He's been hospitalized twice, has significant respiratory issues, among other problems. This is a 23 year old professional athlete with no other issues. And, you know, according to the story, it said at the end, He's expected to be healthy and ready to go next year. How and why would we know that? He wasn't expected to miss time to a disease that hasn't traditionally affected young people as severely. And and I don't know that we can know for sure what comes next for someone whose career is at risk. This is the thing that we most dreaded and no one's talking about it. Well, and I think that's the hardest part about it, even from a player's standpoint. Like, I would think at this point, if I was playing in the league, I'd at least have a side eye on it, right? Like, some interest in how it's playing out, why it's playing out that way, what are the lingering effects? Because, as we've said a million times, look, there there are so many questions that we won't know the answer to for a very long time. Now, it's one thing if a bunch of uh, adults that collectively bargain choose to take that, that chance and to do what they love to do. Fine, but when you see one of your union brothers in this situation that's having this level of of difficulty i'm surprised it isn't at least a larger talking point because frankly if uh, the rest of the players in the league are looking at it i'd want to know if what can be pinpointed about what made this different and i think that's one of sarah the most complicated things about covid you know without obviously revealing anything to to personal levels for anybody i've got a, a very close friend who he and his wife and his daughter have all contracted COVID and he's in a higher risk group and a higher age range uh, for risk also and has had virtually no effects but his wife has had terrible effects and then his daughter who's supposed to be the least one uh, least affected has had the highest level of impact to it so Mm. so it's just a reminder that as much as we're trying to figure out the standards and norms this is a new I I tell everybody all the time novel coronavirus means brand new which means there's going to be things we have to figure out we just don't know answers to and if that means somebody's health that's an incredibly damning thing that we should be talking about yeah I posted a thread earlier today because I got really frustrated with people anytime COVID came up repeating long antiquated ideas about it from months ago that were lacking the information that has come out since and specifically people pointing to mortality rates as the only meaningful statistic in relation to the virus we know that is not true the idea that either you're not affected or it's a little bit like the flu or you're dead is absurd there are long hauler effects that are getting more and more studied as they happen because there are no other people to study than the ones who just got the disease and the ones who had it earliest in march or april are now six or seven months in where you can say seven months after you allegedly had the virus out of you and you still can't walk up the stairs can't pull your pour yourself a bowl of cereal 
Can't remember where you parked your car or what kind of car you had. There's a guy who forgot an entire trip to Paris that was two weeks previous. There are massive effects to your heart, your brain, your digestive system, your cognitive ability that are not understood yet. And a lot of them are being tagged as sort of a response of your body to the such a stress on the system that COVID puts on it that it basically like shuts it down. And then when you try to recover, there's almost a PTSD effect of that where your body is not opening up the ability to do all those things again yet because it's still protecting itself from what had happened to it. It's it's fits the scariest part is there's no there's no answer. Like I keep trying to tell people our colleague uh, Bill Plaschke wrote a story about this. He said when he had it, there was there was nothing he could do. His fever went up and he sat in his bed and he wondered if he was going to die. Can't call your family to come over and say goodbye can't call the hospital they have no answers for you he would just break into tears in the middle of a phone call for no reason he couldn't control his emotions he couldn't control his temperature his body his sweats and there's nothing you could do so the fact that there's still this conversation about it's just a flu or most people aren't affected or these athletes are there's just to me it's it's fascinating how much people are really not digging into the long-term effects and especially athletes i think that's because for so many people it's just easier to wish for what we want than and and downplay the effects rather than acknowledge hey you know it, 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 this would be a much simpler discussion if people would come in and say look this might be a terrible virus but we want football played so it's just going to be what it is like People feel dirty saying that, so it's much easier to say, okay, uh, we can hide behind the, the guise of, you know, and I just don't know how history is going to look at this. I think it's funny if you go back and look like before the 1950s, doctors were in advertisements for smokers, uh, for cigarettes, and cigarette companies were, were applauding the benefits of smoking. We laugh about that now. We look at it and say, oh, my God, how stupid was society that people actually thought this was a good thing to be doing. I wonder how we'll all look back at this 40, 50 years from now and say, wait, Wait, they were doing what and how? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's uh, realistically the the simplest solution here is for people just come out and admit their real motivations, you know. And then that right. that's people want their sports, their entertainment, and they want to, they want to go out and get theirs. And and that's that's just where we are. And it's especially you know uh, to go into the college side of it, Sarah. I think it's also a scary part for college kids that are playing football now. And for anyone that hasn't seen Graham Mertz, who's the quarterback for Wisconsin, came out had a historic first outing for this team that was an AP top five team coming in has a real shot at the playoffs well the day after their first game he tested positive for coronavirus the team has been very silent since then on follow-up tests that they they are waiting for or we don't know at this point because of their protocols but we do know that it's a 21 day uh, ban on him being able to play in any game uh, once he's tested positive so in theory at this point he's going to miss the next three weeks and some people are you know sort of shocked and 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 all over this Sarah I think it's the right call to be overly cautious whether you're a quarterback on a playoff caliber team or whether you're you know a backup offensive line lineman on a team that's irrelevant I completely agree with you I'm curious to see if the desire to play and the greed that influenced the decision to put the season on amidst all of this overpowers the safety because we've seen it and, and listen, if it is a false positive, of course, you do not want someone to still miss three weeks of a season. That's why they're going through all the different tests to make sure that it was a confirmed positive. Um, but, you know, you look at a schedule with Nebraska, Purdue and Michigan. If this happens to an Ohio State or another contending team that's expected to be great, 
Do they start to to mess with the promises that they made when they said this season was coming back? That's something to keep an eye on. Yeah, I mean, because Wisconsin has one tough game, really tough game this year against Michigan, and that would be he would miss that game. So it'll be interesting to see if the Big Ten will hold to it when they know that a possible playoff spot could be on the line for one of their schools. I, 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 that'll be the real test of money meeting the, the, the virus where they all meet in the middle of the road. Yeah, absolutely. We'll be keeping an eye on it and – it's not about being dark. It's just about being honest with ourselves, especially as the weather changes and things could get significantly worse. Numbers across the country are really bad right now. And I really just want everyone to keep being informed instead of sticking with beliefs that they've had about this for months that are probably pretty old now. Coming up, we're going to do NFL good take or hot take after a crazy wild weekend of football. It's next on Spain and Fitz. A wild, wild weekend in the NFL. Uh, Just some unbelievable games and probably the best witching hour we've seen in quite some time on the red zone. If you caught that, it's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance and Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio is brought to you by My Computer Career, training for a better life. After every NFL weekend, we try to sift through the takes and see if they are hot takes or good takes, uh, prisoner of the moment suggestions or things that might bear out over the course of the rest of the season. And there are a lot of takes coming fast and furious about the Cowboys after their loss to the Washington football team. Andy Dalton gets concussed. They throw in a guy whose name I still can't remember, but I think it's something like Carducci or DeLucci or Dean and DeLuca. I'm not sure. Either way. At least it's not Duck. It's not. That's right. Mike McCarthy, Cowboys head coach, gave what some might say is a hot take. Others might say is a good take about the team's reaction to Andy Dalton. Here's what it sounded like. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely, you know, I mean, a hit that uh, caused a disqualification. But, yeah, well, I mean, we, 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 we speak all the time about playing for one another, you know, protecting one another. Um, so yeah, definitely it was, it was probably not the response that you would expect. Okay, so calling out his team for not coming to the aid of Dalton or getting fired up about the hit that can cost him. Fitz, good take or hot take? Uh, I think that's a good take, and I think at some point this Cowboys, the coaching staff is going to have to figure out how to bring these players together. And, Sarah, I think the coaching staff is the key here. What do you do if you figure out that Jerry Jones just isn't great at identifying head coaches? I mean, that's a, a real conversation here, and it's a reminder that McCarthy, for whatever reason, has not found the pulse of these guys. I think it's a good take, too, because even though I think McCarthy's in a tough spot because there's already guys leaking stories to the press about him losing the locker room and the issues that they're having, so calling them out might be tough to do, but necessary in this moment because it just reveals a real lack of leadership on that team, the way they reacted to their signal caller going down like that. I don't want to melee. I don't want to brawl, but I do want someone to get in the face of the guy who did it, and I want them to act like they care. That was tough to watch. Um, Also tough to watch. Everything else about the Cowboys, uh, to the point that Field Yates, who's usually a pretty steady guy, really went off. Uh, our ESPN NFL insider on primetime on ESPN Radio. Here he is. What an embarrassing performance. I thought they were supposed to get better because they fired Jason Garrett. Can someone find one thing the Cowboys have done better, more appropriately, like has been better coached based off of this supposed upgrade to Mike McCarthy? I'm embarrassed. It's pathetic. The Cowboys stink, and there's no room for hope right now. Their best player, supposedly, is Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, he did not look like he was a dynamic player here today. The Cowboys, just bad on both sides of the ball. Just an embarrassing effort from Dallas. And, you know, they've been talking about this being their year for, like, four straight seasons right now. And I know they lost their starting quarterback, Dak Prescott. But you know what? 
this the rest of the team, like you still got to show up and compete. Today was just flatly embarrassing. I love that uh, he has no connection to the team, and yet he is embarrassed by their performance. It's like the stink got on him just from watching it. Uh, the question there is, he said they haven't gotten better in any way since McCarthy arrived. Is that a hot take or a good take? I think it's a good take, and you know, I struggle to figure out why they can't, with the talent they have, at least look reasonable. And I made the joke earlier when we talked about the quarterback injury, at least it's not Duck. It's really just a passing reference to what Mike Tomlin was able to do with the Steelers when they were down to a quarterback nobody had ever heard of. And that's got to be some sort of a point that when the rest of your roster is really talented and when your coaching staff knows how to get the right things out of the right guys, you can overcome almost anything. I, I just don't see that happening right now. And I never thought Cowboys fans or Jerry Jones would miss Jason Garrett, but they sure have to right now. Yeah, certainly some excuses. A lot of injuries. COVID-19 making it difficult to be a first-year coach. But there's plenty of other first-year coaches that are not having the kind of season that they are. It's been a disaster. And, yeah, you can't really point to anything as being done better than what they had last year, especially some of their top players that have not stepped up uh, the way you'd think that they would with injuries and everything else. All right, moving on. The Steelers and Titans, uh, the exact opposite of the Cowboys. Two teams having great seasons. This was a hell of a matchup. The game didn't disappoint. But Ryan Clark, after watching it, said on Get Up that the Steelers are not the best in the league. I think when they have a good day, they can beat anybody. But I don't necessarily believe that they're the best team in the NFL right now if everybody plays their best football. I think they're still behind Kansas City. And when you watch the Tampa Bay Buccaneers play yesterday, if they can play like that, that defense continues the ball, and now you're adding all these weapons, I think those are the top three teams in the NFL. Fitz, the only undefeated team in the league. Is that a hot take or a good take to say they're not the best? Uh, I don't – I think it's a good take, and – I really love the Steelers. I, I, I genuinely do. I just I can't hide my total blinders that are on for Kansas City this year. I still think even though my beloved Raiders managed to do the impossible, that was a one that was a hiccup to me, not an indication that the Chiefs have a problem. And I don't know that the Chiefs defense is necessarily getting enough respect. I think the Chiefs defense is better than people realize, and so uh, I'm still going to take the Chiefs as the best. But the Steelers are very close. Yeah, one thing I'll say about the Steelers, it was pretty remarkable for them to get the win against a really good Titans team, losing the turnover battle 3-0. I mean, that's a, yeah. that's a, that's an impressive swing to have three more turnovers and to still remain unbeaten. But I think it's a good take. I think that there are teams that I still would would favor in a matchup with the Steelers, despite that record. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're doing good take, hot take from the NFL weekend. Sticking with Ryan Clark, full of takes. He was on Get Up. Again, talking about Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, who looked disastrous in the first half. Odell Beckham Jr. goes down, now revealed to be an ACL tear. He's out for the year. And in the second half, without OBJ, Baker came alive. So Ryan Clark says maybe this is something they need to look at. Do I think it's simply because it's without Odell? I do not. But going forward, it seems that with this injury, we will get to watch it. We will get to see Baker Mayfield performed without Odell Beckham Jr. And if he performs better, I believe Odell has to be moved because Baker Mayfield is the number one pick. Baker Mayfield is your franchise. Baker Mayfield is your future. And he wants you to believe in him, Cleveland, not Odell Beckham Jr. Mayfield's passer rating in the last two seasons with OBJ on the field, 79.6. With OBJ off the field, 116.6. Fitz, do they need to trade OBJ if Mayfield continues to be better over the last half of the season without him? <sighs> That's a hot take. I think mean, I, you know, I've gone back and forth on this one, Sarah. That one, this one's really tough for me. I, 
I just can't buy that the team's better without Baker May without Odell Beckham Jr. And let's also be honest, like the the this version of the Browns is going to be a team that I think is defined more by how they run the ball than pass the ball. So what they need is explosive plays offensively from the passing game. I still believe Odell Beckham Jr. can give them that. For all of the inefficiencies that we've talked about from him of late, let's remember this is a new offense that's using him differently. So I thought OBJ had a real chance to shine in this offense eventually. So I think it's a hot take, but I. I'm very on the line on this one. This is reminding me of like the are are, are who was it was it the Cavs or the Cavs better without Kyrie Irving? Was that I'm trying to my brain yeah, is telling I, me that there was like this this conversation we all had that felt so no, stupid. No, the Celtics. The, it was the Celtics. Celtics. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just it's just wild. Yeah, to, to kind of think about how we sometimes will take small sample sizes or limited sample sizes. I think there's probably an explanation. I think it's a hot take because. You have to wonder, how does the play calling change with OBJ out? Is this something where it gets simplified and then he excels because he doesn't feel like he's forcing it to one guy? Is it possible that they just run plays that are better suited to his skill set when OBJ is out? It's it's not absurd to think that sometimes you do get subtraction, by, uh, addition by subtraction. We have seen teams thrive without a successful player who's great individually, but I think it's way too early to say that about this team. And I also don't think it's necessary, Fitz, to say one or the other. Like with with Ryan Clark's argument, it was Baker's your guy, he's the future, which by the way, last week everyone was saying he's the reason this team isn't any good and that they need to move on from him. So uh, let's pick our lane on that one. But if he's the future, that doesn't mean you're choosing him instead of OBJ. You can try to figure out what the issue is there and if the chemistry can be fixed. Yeah, the real issue is that we need to just calm down with the hot takery and just let it all, <laughs> like, let everything marinate then for we three weeks. Job. Yeah, we that's have jobs, Fitz. You know what? That that was a bad take by me. That's a hot take by me. <laughs> I am wrong. We will just go from yes. now on. Yeah, it's, My it's, early days of sports radio, occasionally I would just say, we'll see. And my boss said, yeah, we don't do that around here. <laughs> Just, just have a take. We don't care if it's wrong later, but it's better. He didn't say that, but it's better than saying we'll see.